Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. So I'm so glad to have Stefan Isterborn here with me from Stockholm. So welcome to my podcast, Stefan. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to to meet you. Um, and uh, there is a friend of mine from from Istanbul who's actually pointed in your direction and he said, you have to absolutely talk to Stefan because he's doing fantastic things that are important that people need to know of. Stefan Itterborn is an experienced entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Cake. And after more than three decades as an influential force in design and product development, he is now four years into his newest successful venture, Cake. Uh, it's an electric motorbike company that wants to help the world on the journey to a zero emission society. So Stefan, what would you say that your company Cake is really here for? And who is it here for to serve? Well, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a number of different reasons, but all in all, uh, I'd say that when I first encountered uh, an electric motorbike, I was like, this is going to you know, flip the motorcycling space upside down. Because to, to a large extent, it, it pretty much uh, represents the opposite of the uh, traditional combustion engine culture. It's clean, it's crisp, it's, you know, it, it, it doesn't disturb. It has all of these things that I like, that I support. And again, that said, uh, I'm not a motorcycling kind of guy, but it does promote uh, a combination of doing good, but it's also something that has a uh, an exciting opportunity to it. And that's where we start, like in the outdoors, in the woods. Uh, however, the, 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 the real user perspective is, is basically accelerating the transition from combustion engine vehicles for transportation to electric. What really got me going when I first, you know, got to see one of these bikes, it was like I, I could see myself on a trail out there silently exploring with respect towards whatever who is around me. And when I started buying all of these bikes uh, that were in the market at the time, uh, with a number of pros and cons, and it was not meant to be a business initially. It was more like an interest in, in, in what the, the experience was all about. I got to the point where I realized that you need to start from scratch developing a uh, a chassis around the electric drivetrain to optimize the, the performance aspects of a two-wheel electric motorbike in this sense. Uh, but it took me some time. I had all of these bikes. I had tons of fr- friends riding these bikes. And uh, I'd say that it didn't matter whether it was a world champion motocross guy riding these bikes, getting back to me saying, hey, Stefan, it's more like skiing power in the woods without the need for slope or, or snow. But at the same time, women that never, ever dared getting on a bike before for, you know, it was loud and noisy and, and heavy and all that and complicated, not at least when it comes to riding skills with these bikes that are torque and, and, and acceleration is progressive and you don't need to clutch, you don't need to change gears. If you can ride a bicycle, you can ride one of these pretty much. So they happen to be women in this case when I explain the situation. Same thing with men that had never, ever been on a bike before. But slowly just idling away and then getting back to me after 20 minutes with the biggest smile you can think of on their faces saying, that, hey, Stefan, this is the most amazing thing I've done in my life. And that's when I started realizing that this is not only for a small category of people into two-wheeled 
off-road motorcycling. It's it's inviting. It's it's inclusive. It's everything which is again very much the opposite of traditional motorcycling culture. If I understand it right, you can actually charge the bike with renewable energy or even with solar panels, right? Yes, uh, it's amazing, and I, I think that the the motorcycle, the electric motorcycle, is potentially the best type of vessel or vehicle uh, when it comes to being charged with solar, for instance, because the, the, the rolling resistance and the low weight of the actual vessel, the vehicle itself, uh, promotes the, the, uh, the idea of, of with limited solar panel capacity to actually charge these bikes and delivering amazingly when it comes to what they actually perform power-wise. So we're doing a, a project in, in Africa right now where two standard solar panels are actually charging the bikes in the field uh, and actually serving these bikes with uh, a full day of, 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 of riding these bikes. And that's all there is to it. So again, it's amazing. It's about, you know, it's like science fiction. To me, when I started understanding the, the, the opportunities with, with fossil-free uh, energy sources at foremost sun, solar, solar energy, and, and, and with these light vehicles, and the fact that sun was the only thing you needed, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it is amazing. And, and to me, it's still science fiction, fiction but it's actually happening. Now, and it's so important. And, and I know that you're also developing new platforms to support the, the transportation transitions in cities around the world, like uh, commuting bikes as well. What I try and do is always about quality, uh, quality-performance. We need to uh, support, uh, I'd say, permanence. If, if we speak generally about sustainability, it's a much more complex challenge, of course, if you want to be true to the concept of sustainability. It's not only how you power your bike or if it's an electric drivetrain or whatever. It's about the permanence of the bike as well. And when I speak about permanence, I speak about aesthetic as well as physical permanence, something that can actually quality-wise be out there supporting transportation for 15 or 20 years instead of something which is lower quality and potentially breaking uh, after a much shorter time. So. The proof is in the pudding. We need to make something that has the qualities of, 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 of durability. Mm. And, and you're really um, very good at, at going from intention to action and really manifesting what you want. So that's, that's uh, incredibly important because a lot of people are, you know, great at kind of thinking and imagining, but not like really manifesting it. Yeah, and I, that's a bit of a disease, I think. I, I need to do it. I need to prove that, that whatever idea comes up can actually be done. So, but uh, digging into a little bit more about you, Stefan, what, what is actually driving you in terms of what is your passion? You know, that, that thing that you're also literally willing to sacrifice a lot for if, if needed. Yeah, I think it's, it has to do with, with, with innovation and bringing purpose. And it's potentially my mother that brought that onto me to constantly, uh, drive myself towards improving spaces that I kind of become a part of. It gets me going. And I don't know, I don't know what I need to prove, but there's, there's something, you know, my mother uh, being a, a, a gym teacher at school and so forth brought me into sports. So it's always been about training and, 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 and gaming and winning and losing and so forth. So I think that she does have a strong reason to why I'm, always on the run somehow. You can't sit still and just be happy with what is. You need the next project, the next yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but what about transformational points in your life that have influenced you a lot? 
in the early years, it was all about sports and, and, and you know, winning and losing and training and all that. I think that, that uh, really has put a strong kind of mark on who I am identity-wise. But then I, I had a really great uh, moment in life in my early 20s when, for whatever reason, I was tremendously inspired or interested in, in, in late Baroque, late 1600s. Uh, and, uh, you know, went to, to different castles, reading everything I could in terms of uh, the style at the time and, and the society at the time and so forth. And that the journey started from the late 1600s and, and went along really fast in maybe eight to ten months until I was ended up in 1985 through Louis XVI and the Empire and, 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 and all the way until 1985, realizing the present and the contemporary that was really something that I wanted to, to uh, explore and, and dig into and, and understand better. But that was a wonderful journey when I went into all of these different styles over the years, trying to, or learning how things in general kind of um, uh, directed or, or, or shaped, I would say, preferences during these different times based on innovation, social perspectives, political aspects and so forth. And that's something that I brought with me throughout my whole career since then. So I, I think that, that trying to uh, decipher what today and the future might be has a strong influence in, in what I decide to do and how I run my projects. Okay, so, so it must mean that the, the end of 80s or so you were pretty much in Italy then, I guess, because you, if you yeah, were into yeah, the yeah. contemporary, yeah? Yeah, I, I spent so much time in Milan for obvious reasons, of course, and... Uh, Coming down to, to Milan in 1986, I think it was, I was in my early 20s and uh, maybe 85, 86. During that same time, I realized it was the contemporary that was, was what was interesting me. And I went down there and, and actually lying to these companies, saying that I was representing a big company in Sweden looking to distribute, you know, anything from furniture to, 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 to lighting and, and, and whatever. And... Uh, I actually got a few companies that with me that uh, I came to represent in, in, in Scandinavia. And that kind of brought me closer to, to architects because those were the doors I was knocking, showing up the furniture and so forth, for, for them to use for different projects. And, and uh, that's also how I built my network of, of uh, uh, design colleagues around the world uh, from that, that era. And it was also an interesting era because that's, that's really when... when Design was actually booming from being a, I'd say, a luxury kind of, 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 of uh, bourgeoisie kind of space for few, while the, the whole generation of younger designers going to Milan at the time with Cappellini, you know, showing the, uh, the way forward to, to, to a large extent, I would, I would say, that has really shaped the, the society of today. If you look at what people... Their, their competence, their interest, their knowledge, how people actually decorate their homes or whatever it might be. It's a huge change compared to those early 90s. But it was also a, a, an extraordinarily interesting time. And it was also the opportunity for, for Sweden to kind of re-enter the international stage when it comes to being relevant, uh, when it comes to design, if we can speak about design as, as a noun, it's, it's a verb. I was in Milan all the time until pretty much uh, the beginning of, of the 2000s when I, when I started POC, my next journey, and ended up in another industry. Mm. And you were working with the IKEA as well, right? 
Yeah. Before I actually approached IKEA, I had always been a bit uh, cocky about IKEA being too much of a copycat and so forth. And I didn't really respect them. I was a bit snobby in my whole, you know, limited, narrow-minded design perspectives until I realized that IKEA could actually be a trigger to further accelerate the interest for Scandinavian design. So I went down to Elmhoff and met with this, this amazing guy, Leonard Ekmark, who was the kind of rebel within IKEA back then, uh, and, and said, hey, listen, everything is pointing towards Scandinavian values at this point. The energy among a new generation of Swedish designers is better than ever. Let's constitute something and use the, 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 this moment to actually clean out, filter out all of the bad which is associated to IKEA and bring something new, fresh. And so I got the assignment to run this project, IKEA PS, that we launched at the Giardino di Publico in 1995, which was a big, it was a blast. It was like IKEA suddenly getting into uh, the hub of, 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 of design, innovation and development and and with their previous heritage and, 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 and image and so forth, it was like, oh, what's going on here? That was a, a super exciting time. And um, looking at it humbly, I'd say that we brought something with this project which is much more important than the, than the actual project itself. Because I think that what we really did was that we injected optimism at IKEA. Because suddenly everyone at IKEA realized that we can actually play a game far beyond where we thought we you know, would qualify normally. I think that we, 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 we injected self-esteem to the internal designers at IKEA. They realized that there's nothing stopping us here. We can do much more uh, ambitious or, 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 or uh, uh, braver initiatives ever than, than before because there, there's, there's no limitations. For for businesses in general, what do you think would be the like the long term solution that you believe in for any kind of business? I think that you need to be long term and you need to be patient. The the, the combination of, of of doing something uh, purposeful uh, without the uh, intention of payback tomorrow needs to be supported by a number of different things. Anything from taxation aspects to to regulations to legislation and to uh, organizations running companies doing good while, of course, uh, you know, having a commercial perspective, which is needed to the general development of things. So mm. um, you said you said sometimes when we discussed be, before to me, you said something like companies must bring purpose or die. It's like yeah, yeah. stand for something. Yeah, yeah. Work if, for if, something if, if I kind of condense my perspective on, <laughs> on, on what companies need to do, it's like bring purpose or die. Yeah. That's uh, that definitely what what. And I do believe it. I think personally that businesses could be really the most powerful force we have for good uh, if it simply cared about the lives it touches, whether it's the lives of people who are on board their company or, of course, the, the clients and people that they serve, serve. And and when that happens, I think the world will change in a very dramatic fashion. I, 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 I'm willing to agree. Yes. Yeah. And and if you assume that you have all doors open to you and all kinds of resources available to you right now, what do you want to um, change or innovate immediately? If I had a chance at this point to do something uh, other than what I'm doing right now, I would probably you know dig into something that has to do with 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 uh, uh, the oceans and the, the 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 pollution of oceans and and the need to reset 
quality, pace, and, and, and ability for the oceans to survive. I'm speaking about the dying planet here. We need to do a number of different things. But what disturbs me is that I spend a lot of time in the ocean, and it's, it really hurts when I see how bad what the conditions are all around the world. It's painful. Is there any particular piece of advice or so that you would like to, to share with uh, leaders out there? Yeah, I think that, that uh, we, need to be, we need to be respectful. We need to have patience, but there has to be action. There's, there's, sometimes I'm being questioned. So you're speaking about patience and you're speaking about action, but there's no, no, they're not each other's counterpoints. It's like, be patient, be humble, be respectful, but goddamn. Do what you need to do. It takes action. It takes traction. It takes speed. So don't wait for things to happen. But uh, un- you, you also need to be humble to uh, processes and, and that things do take time. And navigating that landscape is, is, is what I would, uh, uh, would say is, is needed. So be nice and, and be good but, and fast. And, and uh, what do you think is the most, most important thing right now for companies to focus on? Well, I think that, that uh, I'm, I'm, for every day that goes, I'm, I'm more convinced that we need, as companies, to take a more political role than ever before. Uh, politics uh, in society in general, when it comes to uh, uh, what we all experience, uh, has come to a situation where I wouldn't, you know, it'd be kind of opportunistic to, 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 to say that, that, that business life will be able to, to actually replace uh, the, the, the political scene, but I think it's needed um, in the world of, of uh, you know, that needs change and, and, and supporting subjectivity that we need to be, to, to, to be more political. And we cannot, you know, uh, dance with everyone. We need to, to be subjective and we need to, to, to run specific topics and, 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 and rally questions that are important to us and would, again, bring purpose to for, in the grand scale. But daring and uh, to be more political and, 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 and not being slack, uh, assuming that you want to do business with everyone, choose your friends and make sure that you uh, establish perspectives on, and point of views together with those. Yeah, exactly. Work, work and co- collaborate with people who believe in what you believe in. And also, I think um, literally that, that companies are, I think, right now our best instrument to create a good change because it uh, corporations, companies are already a great system that works. So the engine is already there. So it's so easy if, if, you know, to swap that, that instrument to step it up one step and, and make sure to evolve it. And then of course, if you find somebody on the political scene to cooperate with, uh, that is on the same wavelength, that's just beautiful, but I wouldn't wait for that. Uh, As as you say, it's rather better that we use the engines that we already have to influence. And, and, and companies have been so focused on, 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 on optimizing their ability to make business so they have not dared to say no to specific customers. But I, I think that pretty soon I'm going to start excluding, uh, you know, officially uh, customers that we don't want. Mm. Yeah, and I, th- I think that um, good um, leadership uh, or, or sane leadership is also to be able to understand when to say no and have, as you say, a, a, you know, an integrity and a standpoint that you represent all the way, even if it is hurting, uh, you know, the, some kind of a sales or turnover numbers yeah, short term, yeah. uh, long term. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. That's the way to go. And that's what's going to attract uh, exactly the right kind of people, clients, yeah. etc. to to cake, right? Yeah. Fantastic. You're a great, great example. My, my final question to, to you is, is um, what does the world need the most at this time? So I think the world is in, in desperate need for kindness. I mean, it's, it's, it's a naive way of, of expressing my, my, my frustration, but we need to be open and, 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 and searching uh, to connect with uh, the different, the opposite, the unknown, uh, to understand perspectives and unknowns and to merge that with our conception of what we believe. I keep meeting uh, quite many people that I would say in the world of business represents this uh, very kind of caring uh, type of leadership, which means that literally, you know, they, they care about their people that they're serving uh, as much as literally that they are with the extended family members. You know, they, they have that kind of approach. And I think that when people feel like they are, you know, really cared for, um, uh, then they, you know, leave all these things that are kind of destructive, like fear and anxiety and all of that behind and just like 100% bring them themselves to, to, to work in a, in a, on a totally different level. Uh, so they, it brings them meaning. And then you get, get into this kind of positive loop rather. Because we are, I mean, all of us spending eight, 10, whatever hours or more uh, a day in whatever we call the professional life, right? And that's such a big chunk of our lives. So... So those people who are really working on this kind of caring leadership, um, I respect a lot because they've like tapped into something that is very powerful, but also very natural because we all want to be cared for and sh can be able to share with other people that we care about them. Stefan, it's really wonderful to, to speak to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you are very rushed and you have so much on your plate right now. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. It's been fun. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, a next discussion. Uh, maybe not in, in this format, but uh, I really enjoy your, your questions and, you know, making me think about things where I need to, you know, get to the point of actually having a true opinion. And uh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we'll meet in real life. As soon as I manage to get up to Stockholm, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Okay. We can go Good. for a Swedish fika, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, perfect. See you then. <laughs> yes. All okay. Right. Thank you so much, Stefan. Thanks for sharing. And uh, to find out more, you will find out links and show notes on corporateunplugged.com. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with people you know would benefit from hearing Stefan. Please rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao. Ciao.